Pittsburgh Steeler fans, it is time once again for another episode of Here We Go, the Steelers show. It is the end of January. The Steelers are not in the playoffs, but they're not done working, which means us, we at BTSC, namely Brian Anthony Davis and Kevin Thatcher Smith. You know him as KT. He's not the clerks guy. He's better than that. What's up, KT? Uh, every time somebody asks me if I ever produced the movie Clerks or Mallrats or that or any of those, I answer yes because <laughs> I mean, because I don't, people are only asking you to be kind of sarcastic and you know pain in the butt. So I might as well uh, give it right back to him. I admire Kevin Smith actually, but like I said, I admire you more. And what I I cut myself off, and what I was trying to say was that doesn't mean that we're not working, and that doesn't mean that the Steelers are done working because man as soon as that press conference for 2022 ended with Mike Tomlin they they got to work on 2023 they're bringing guys in they're getting stuff ready to go yeah man they're back at it and they brought somebody back in a familiar name this week that's pretty exciting to me we're going to talk about that because last week we talked about Matt Canada this week, we're going to talk about defense and defensive coaching. Next week, we're going to talk about offense and offensive coaching and how they prepare and how they're getting ready right when the season ends and to beginning a new offseason. And Kevin, that's something you know a whole lot about. So let me ask you this. It's the last game of the season for your high school team, the Ocean City Red Raiders. And they're done. But what does the coaching staff do as soon as the smoke clears? <laughs> Literally, this will give you an idea about uh, the difference between Mike Tomlin's world and my world. Literally, I have to collect all the uniforms. And that is awful. <laughs> <laughs> that is a miserable exercise because it's a combination of trying to get 15, 16, and 17-year-old kids to actually be responsible and turn in their stuff. And then sorting through all the pads, uh, most of which are unwashed. You know, you just feel like you're going through like a, like a, you're, you're just wading through a pool of MRSA, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. So that's literally the first thing that we do. But in terms of what you're really asking, uh, the first thing that we really do is, is we self scout. We, we get to work on the process of watching every single play from the season that just ended. And charting our own tendencies, we self-scout. We, we basically say, okay, what did we do this year? Because you know, you, you, the year goes on and, and you game plan every week and you, and you, you have core things that you're going to run and then you have things that you put in for specific opponents and, and your, you know, your scheme may evolve a little bit as the year goes. But um, you're not really as cognizant as you think you would be of what you do. You're not really totally aware. You know for example, an offense that you run a lot of inside zone or, or you run a lot of uh, a particular pass route. Let's say we like to run the, we like to run a, a, a mesh route that the Steelers run and you know, you know, you run it a lot, but do you know like exactly what, what situations you run it in? Do you know what formations you run it out of? Like on defense, do you know that when the offense gets into three by one to the field that you always line up in this coverage or that coverage? What are you, what are your own tendencies? So, so that's really important to self-scout so that you essentially start to see yourselves through the same lens that your opponents see you. 
And that becomes very instructive as you begin then to plan for the next season, because you'll say, here's what worked. Here's what didn't work. Here's what we need to tweak. Here are our tendencies. Here are things that opponents were able to do against us that hurt us. Did they do it because we weren't good enough personnel wise? Did they do it because we were too predictable? Uh, it's a really instructive exercise and it takes a while. I mean, as you might imagine, you're literally, you're literally going through hundreds and hundreds of plays and compiling data uh, that you're, that you then need to break down and make sense out of. So it, but it's an exciting part of the year too, because, you know, you really get to, to look at yourself, you know, Hey, what, what, what did we put on film? What did, what did we come up with from a schematic standpoint? Uh, and it's very helpful, obviously for the coming year. Now let's go ahead and put that into what you imagine that Mike Tomlin is doing. And I I'm picturing Mike Tomlin going around picking up, uh, you know, the, the stinky, uh, pants and jocks of, uh, like James Daniels. <laughs> I mean, I, I, that just makes me laugh. And I don't think he's beyond doing it because I remember back in 2007 when he got the job and somebody said, Hey, you're a head coach. You're going to make some money. You're going to get a maid. He goes, I have kids. Yeah. I don't need a maid. I have kids. And that's I, I, that's the work ethic that we have. They're they're going to do it. They're going to have a work ethic, which I absolutely love. So I bet you if he was pressed into it, he's going to pick up some stuff. I don't I don't doubt it either, because I agree with you. He does strike me as as that kind of guy, but I'm also going to wager a lot of money. <laughs> that he's, he's, got, not. he's got a few guys that do that for him. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what do you imagine that Mike and the team is most focused on right now? So that's a good question. Other than the things that we just mentioned, uh, the Steelers, uh, they're obviously doing that self scout, but they've got some, some big questions that they have to answer before they really start to think ahead to 2023. Again, they're probably still in the compiling data on 2022 stage. But before they really start to think ahead to 2023, they're going to have to answer some questions about personnel. Who's going to be here? And that's particularly relevant on the defensive side of the ball. On offense, the Steelers look pretty well set. I mean, they've got – they return almost all of their starting 11 Um they return the offensive coordinator and the core of the offensive coaching staff. So they'll pick up from where they left off. But on defense, they have a lot of free agents, unrestricted free agents that they have to make decisions on. They're probably going to lose Brian Flores. We don't really know exactly the impact that he had on the team this year. It's hard to gauge that without being in the meeting rooms uh, and the film rooms with the coaching staff. But I think, as the season evolved, you saw the Steelers' defense evolve with it. And I have to believe that Flores had an impact on that. So, so that's going to be a big calculation for the Steelers. Who who do they want to pursue to re-sign? Uh, how do they replace Flores if he leaves? And then, you know, the bigger picture is about tweaking the scheme. I want to ask you about a certain player that the Steelers brought back this week. They signed him to a futures deal, but we know what future deal deals mean. Mike Hilton was a futures deal. There's a few guys that were futures deals and they turn into uh big time players. Now, Quincy Roche is a third year going into his third year. And he's one that a lot of Steeler fans feel like the guy has gotten away. He was the guy, the fish that got away, but he, he really hasn't proven himself enough to stick with the New York giants to stick 
um, completely with an NFL team. But a lot of people are excited that he's back. Do you view him as one of those guys that could compete for that number three linebacker, outside linebacker, edge guy? Or he's just another guy that uh, could be on the bubble and could be a special teams guy, but still a value to the team. He's got a little bit more burst and bend than some of those number three types that they've kind of rotated in and out the last couple seasons. Uh, he's he's more explosive than Malik Reed. Uh, he's a little bit more skilled than Derek Tuska. Um, the issue with him will be, can he hold up against the run? He just, he, he wasn't a guy that had a lot of power at the point of attack against the run. So, um, I don't know. That's an interesting question. He, he, he's probably gotten a little bigger and stronger in the last couple of years. Uh, he's certainly more seasoned and more experienced. I was pretty surprised when they let him go a couple of years ago because he seemed like a guy. He, I mean, if you remember back, he had a really nice preseason for the Steelers, um, and so, you know, the big question will be, like, do they see him as a complete enough player to uh, to keep as a number three or even even to keep on the roster? Uh, or or is he going to be developed enough as a pass rusher for them to say, hey, you know, he's he's kind of a one trick pony, but it's a pretty good trick that he's got. So we'll keep him. So he, he's I'm glad that he's back. I liked his potential and I'm eager to see his development. OK, three questions here. First one, is he a dude? Second one, what's your gut saying? And the third one, who does he compare you? Who do you compare him to? Is he basically Ola Denny? Let's go with number one first. Dude or not? I don't think he's a dude. I mean, when I think about dudes, I think about dominant players or if not dominant players, guys with a presence. And I just don't think that he fits that profile, but he's got an opportunity to be a, a pretty good role player. And that's an important thing, obviously, when you think about the reliance the Steelers have on uh, Highsmith and Watt to generate pressure. They really need a third guy who can do that. So if he can if he can do that, it's sort of you know, like he would sort of fit a role that's really, really relevant to the Steelers. Then he's then he's dude worthy. <laughs> if I'll tell you what, man, if he's if he locks that down, then then, yeah, because there's something the Steelers have been missing for a while. Absolutely. Fantastic. Um, what's your gut say? I think your your gut just said it. You just explained your gut on that. Um, do you feel like he's going to be that number three guy? I don't I think the Steelers will look for a number three guy. I think I think he can make the roster for sure. I think he's got a role. I again I liked him as a pass rusher. Good explosion, good bend, uh, high motor. I love guys that come out of temple on defense. I, I think temple. Uh, there's a toughness to Temple football that I think fits well uh, for NFL defense. I mean, Temple's in North Philly. That's a that's a rough area, and and they get kids. It's not there's no there's not really a campus at Temple. It's 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 right in the middle of the city and and a not particularly part nice part of Philadelphia. They play their games in Lincoln Financial Field before stay on in, you know on game day. It's it's eighty to ninety percent empty. Uh, there's just a different mentality. I mean, they, they, a lot of those guys have been bypassed by, by more established division one programs and they kind of wind up at temple and, you know, temple's got a slogan temple tough and they're not great as a football program, but they've produced some darn good defensive players over the years. Uh, so I like his toughness. And I think that maybe now a guy who's bounced around and now he's back with the team that drafted him, uh, you know, that, I mean, 
hey, I'm not trying to comparison to James Harris, but you think about those James Harrison type stories where the guys get a second, a third, even a fourth chance, and they and and they finally wind up in the right spot in the right scheme and they take off. So, so I don't think I don't think that they see him right now as the number three, but you never know. I think he can make the roster, and then from there, it's going to be on him. Just like Ole Adeni, I guess. Yeah, you know, they're built totally differently, right? You know, I mean, all of us kind of like a James Harrison type in terms of his build, but, um, and, and, you know, Quincy Roche is not built like that, but, but his profile fits that of those sort of underdog types. Well, very good. You know, the thing with me, and you mentioned Temple Tough, Coral Gables, man, there's no wimps coming out of Coral Gables. So he came out of both of those places. Man, he played for the he played for the U. Yeah, and I mean, you got you know you got guys uh, in programs where the reputation is to you know that we're gonna we're gonna kind of like make our mark on defense. And I love those guys. I love those guys that come out of those defense first programs because you know that that's just been instilled in them the importance of winning with defense. And and let's be honest, the the Steelers, even though. We, everybody expects them to take a big jump on offense in 2022. They have uh, the potential to be a, uh, you know, a dominant defense. I mean, they, they've got uh, some opportunities to upgrade in some spots and with star players at, you know, on the defensive front and in the secondary, um, I mean, they can be that defense first team. I mean, I'm not going to say they're the 2008 Steelers, but I really think that next year's Steelers team has the chance to be a dominant defense. Man, that would be absolutely fantastic. And that's what we are going to talk about on this show here. We're going to talk about how the Steelers build a defense and how the coaches are involved because they are majorly involved in this process. We're going to talk about what a coach means to the draft. The Steelers are going to have a big presence at the Senior Bowl this year. There are so many things that they have to do with the selection of players. So I can't wait. I want to know what the coaches are most likely doing. Not Mike Tomlin. We know he's overseeing everything and he's busy most of the day. But if you're an assistant, if you are, uh, if you're a coaching, a defensive coaching intern, what's your role right now as we head into February? And we're going to talk about that next on Here We Go, the Steelers show from behind the steel curtain.com. Welcome back to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com and the Friday show. Yeah, it's Friday again. Happy weekend, my friends. You know, I hope you're getting through this workday. Hey, if you have one of those early dismissal days on Friday or Friday's an admin day and you're cruising home and you're listening to this, that's fantastic, man. More power to you. So your weekend is here and hey, it's great to talk to Steelers on weekend, Kevin. So it is. is it's championship weekend though so it's unfortunate we're not talking about the Steelers in the championship but so but we're going to we're going to yeah, do that still, still an exciting ex- exciting uh Sunday to watch you know I love I love championship Sunday no matter who's playing such a oh. great opportunity for to, just to watch football 
I, I do too. Now I've got to ask you this question. Now you're a coach and you view things different than me because I'm a fan. And I know you're a fan too, but you see a little more perspective from what you do daily. And I'm going to ask you this because we had an argument of sorts on the, uh, on the hangover the other day. And it's usually me against Shannon, but Shannon and I were on the same side and it was us against Tony. And this is a weird thing. And you know how tight Tony and I, but we completely disagreed on something. Tony Defio, Kevin, is rooting for the Cincinnati Bengals this weekend. And as a Steeler fan, I can't do that. Hmm. What what is your uh, and there's no wrong answer here. I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and plead my case, but where do you look at when you look at who you're rooting for? And do the Steelers have anything to do with it even when they're not in the game? I, I cannot root for the Cincinnati Bengals. Thank uh, you. I just can't do that. I just, I, I will I, like, okay. I, you, I've heard, I've talked in the show before about being from South Jersey and people from South Jersey have a lot of pride. And there's a bit in the state of New Jersey, there's a big South Jersey versus North Jersey thing that goes on. And, and you're, and, and the two, you know, anytime there's a crossover game, when a South Jersey team plays a North Jersey team, you always root for the South Jersey team. And even if it's like a, a heated rival of ours, we'll always say like, you know, hey, let's let's win win it for South Jersey. I cannot relate that to the AFC North and be like, oh, these are AFC North teams. And even though they're our rival, I just I don't like the Bengals. You know, I, I like some of those guys individually. I think I got I admire Joe Burrow. I like his obviously his game and I like his toughness. And I like his swag. You know, I like all that about Joe Burrow. But I just, you know, I can't get past like, the perfect Pac-Man Jones, you know, all the garbage that went on with Cincinnati back in the day. I just, I just can't get past that. I just, that just built a dislike for them that, you know, you have 53 years old, man. I should be, I should be bigger than this, but I'm not <laughs> no, like, I just don't like them. Let me ask you this last week, not last week, but in the uh, wild card round, it was the Baltimore Ravens and the Cincinnati Bengals. And I live in Maryland, and I know Jeff can never root for the Ravens, but I think uh, I think his uh, quote was, I'm just rooting for football, and I'm just watching it for football. But I was rooting hard for the Ravens in that game, um, and that's tough for me because living in Maryland, you know, terrible. You know, the, the rivalry's huge. But the, I can't, I cannot stomach Cincinnati. And I, for a lot of the reasons that, that you do, and even more the way they treated the Ryan Shazier situation, I, Joe Mixon, um, there, there's a lot of things that, that I just don't like about them. I do respect Burrow, but who are you rooting for in that game? Baltimore against Cincinnati. And you can't say football. No, I, I was rooting for Baltimore. I, I don't like the Ravens, but I respect the Ravens. Yes. They're a well-run organization. They're, they're you know, as, as physical and nasty and hard-hitting as the Steelers-Ravens games are, there's a mutual respect between those teams. There's not between Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. I mean, go back to last year. I mean, the Bengals have been good for a hot minute, and immediately they're already talking about uh, the Steelers quit and just, I mean, just you got you got to handle winning as much as you have to learn to handle losing. And I just, I didn't think that the Bengals in particular handled their success with much 
grace last season. Um, and they just, you know, I, I don't think that's ever been an issue with Baltimore. Obviously, there have been Ravens players that Steelers fans have really disliked over the years. But as an organization, they 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 run themselves in, in very similar ways to the Steelers. You know, they have continuity in their front office and their coaching staff. They build through the draft. They play physical football. There's a lot to lot to admire there. So, uh, again, I don't like them, but I respect them. Yeah, I, I really do. I actually don't mind Joe Burrow as a player, but I think pretty soon his personality and I, I do like the boldness. I like the swagger. I mean, if he would if he was a Steeler, I I would have a feeling he would be my one of my favorite Steelers of all time. Oh, we you know, love Joe Burrow. Still, oh, yeah. we love Joe Burrow, no doubt about it. Yeah, that. everything about him and what he's accomplishing is amazing. It's just, but it pretty soon he's going to be bengalatized <laughs> to the point <laughs> where you got to hate him. I saw somebody a tweet on Mike Hilton. It's like, when did Mike Hilton turn into such a jerk? There's like uh, him dancing around and just talking smack to the camera and. uh like, well, you know, you become since bangalatized. And then you just brought up the quit factor. That was a guy that was Tyler Boyd. Where did Tyler Boyd play football on Saturdays? Damn, man. Heinz Field. Heinz Field, yep. He was a pit panther. He's from that area. He's a yeah. he's a Western Pennsylvania guy. He got bangalatized. It's just right. You know, it's a rivalry, but at the same time, I think because the Bengals got the short end of the stick for so long and now, now they're kind of the better of the two. I just feel as though they, they haven't been sort of schooled yet in, in how to, to handle that success. You know, the, the whole act like you've been there mentality hasn't set in there, right? Because they haven't been there, but, uh, but, but they're certainly not displaying the actions of a, of a group uh, who, who seems like they have, I, I think there's as much you can, you can learn as much about how teams handle success as you can, how they handle failure. And uh, so, you know, that doesn't, they have, I haven't been impressed with Cincinnati in that sense. I, I do have to say this. I did. I did chuckle. I had, I, I got to give props to Joe Burrow for when they interviewed him after the game last week, the Buffalo game. And they asked him about the neutral site, uh, issue with, with Buffalo and Kansas City, and he and he said the NFL better start sending out the refunds. I thought that was pretty good. I thought I, I thought it was. Bold. I'd be pissed, man. I'd be pissed if I were the Bengals over that for sure. I I'm not, and that's where we're and we very rarely argue. But the, here, I feel like they played a lot. They're they're way too much playing us against the world right now, and they're not because they're actually favorites in this game coming up. They want to be the underdogs. They want to be the victims. I feel like they have taken everything that they did on that terrible night when DeMar Hamlin went down. And I feel like they've taken the goodwill and kind of put them on them as being victims. And I feel like it because the coin toss, the coin flip, they were handed the division. The coin flip celebration with Joe Mixon in the end zone, I thought was terrible. I, I really was. I thought it was like, look at us. We're victims. They keep bringing it up how everybody, the NFL is against them and making these decisions. Look, I'm not saying the NFL decision was great, but it was a hurry decision. And it's what they came up with because you can't do 
stuff in week 17 that you could do in week three and replay a game. You, you just can't. So, I mean, it's, I'm not defending the NFL. All I'm saying is I, I feel like they're taking the DeMar Hamlin thing and spinning it around and making them more victims. And it feels scurvy to me. Yeah, I definitely see that. I see, I see an element of that at the same time. If you're, uh, if you, if you're in the Cincinnati locker room, I mean, you're doing everything that you can right now to, to motivate your team, you know, and, you know, without being blatantly disrespectful to DeMar Hamlin or to the, or to the bills, I think that Zach Taylor's job is to find the angle that gets his team the most fired up and motivated uh, that he can. And again, a guy like Joe Mixon, he's never going to be the guy who, you know, who kind of does the right thing because that's just not his history. That's not who he's shown himself to be. My wife says something all the time that I really like that. She, she says, when somebody shows you who they are, believe them. And he has shown us who he is. Love so, it. Yeah. So, so he, uh, he's shown us who he is, but, um, but I think at the same time, from a motivational standpoint, I, I can't exactly fault, uh, you know, Zach Taylor for taking that angle with the Bengals. Zach Taylor's doing something interesting. And at first I'm like, come on, stop it. But now the more that I think about it and he's making, he's kind of uh, making a habit out of this I kind of like it. Cause first of all, there's not one thing about Zach Taylor that I'm ready to complain about yet. Not. I mean, I think I I really feel like he's a class act. I think he's doing some pretty good things there. At first, I'm thinking you're going into a bar and you're giving a game ball to the fans. Stop it. And then the more I thought about it, I'm like, all right, that's really clever. And I'm starting to think that's pretty cool. You know, he's he's brought some stability uh, and some vision to that franchise. And and that's uh, from a Steelers perspective, unfortunate, <laughs> but from their perspective, it's, it's much needed. Uh, I talked to uh, Paul Gunther, who, who was the defensive coordinator yes. at Cincinnati for a bunch of years. And I, I've mentioned before his son's on our football team and Paul, he comes to our practices and uh, you know, he's been great. He's been great with us. And the one day I, I just asked him, you know, I said, how, cause he's been in a few places. And I said, how was it in Cincinnati? And he just shook his head. That was his reaction. He just shook his head. Uh, so you know, they because that's that's who that franchise was for a long time. They were the franchise you just shook your head at. But uh, but your but Taylor has absolutely sort of steadied that ship, and then they got the right the right quarterback. And when you get the right head coach and the right quarterback, history says that's a winning recipe. We've definitely seen that over the years. Let's talk about the Steelers' defense now. The Pittsburgh Steelers on defense, they're bringing back their defensive coordinator, who is officially Terrell Austin. We don't know. We we almost assume that you're going to see departure from Brian Flores, who's a uh, senior defensive assistant, I believe. I, I really have never caught on with what his title really was, but, you know, did some great things there and he deserves another chance. But here's my question to you. And we brought this up last week on the Steelers preview. I kind of feel like Brian Flores would make would be making a lateral move to just get a defensive coordinator position. I kind of feel like if Brian Flores is going to leave, he's going to leave as a head coach and he very well could be. I know he is not the defensive coordinator here in Pittsburgh, 
but he probably has a lot of responsibilities of one. Do you, if you're a guy like Brian Flores, do you take the job because it's a defensive coordinator position or do you hold out for a head coaching position? I think he, I think he'll take a DC job if he sees it as a stepping stone to a head coaching job. I think if he feels as though the structures in place and where in a, in a place where he goes, where he can be successful and he can show growth. Um, for example, he's interviewed a couple of times in Arizona and that seems to be a place where, where he could, could wind up. Uh, does he, I, now I don't know Arizona's roster well enough to comment real intelligently about this right now, but, but does Brian Flores feel as though he can take a Cardinals team that just went four and 13 and show significant growth with them on defense, because that's really the roadmap now to, to being a head coach is that you show significant improvement uh, with a, with a, a coordinator's job. And, and, and while Flores has already been a head coach, there may be still some hesitancy because of the way things wound up in Miami for teams to hire him outright. You know, he may have to kind of go back and prove it for a year before teams are willing to give him a shot and fair or not, that just might be the, the, the deal. So he, and he might know that he might be aware of that. He might see a, an opportunity as a DC that opens a door to being a head coach where that opportunity just doesn't exist in Pittsburgh. I think maybe, you know, maybe if Pittsburgh was a place where he saw him ha- as having a chance for uh, to be elevated, he'd stick around. But I don't think that, you know, we, we all know how the Steelers operate. Absolutely. You know, the, uh, it looks like the Arizona position would actually be for head coach. You know, I've seen Atlanta bandied about there and right now I, that's not a place that I'm hitching my wagon to. I, if I'm a guy like Brian Flores, I'm going to stay in Pittsburgh. Now, if it's Atlanta, Minnesota, you know, I mean, that's a team that could be a Super Bowl team if they, uh, if they could have the right defense there. Right now, you you know they know how to score points, so that could be a place where he winds up. You you never know. Uh, I would just think that if it's a place that's not going to uh, elevate your profile to be a head coach, because you know that's the ultimate goal stay in Pittsburgh for another year. But a part of me is uh, greedy and wants him to stay in Pittsburgh for one more year and then become a head coach. So the Steelers can get some compensation in the third round for him, maybe one or two third round picks. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, you're, you're right. I'm sorry. I apologize. I didn't realize that the Arizona job was for the head coach. And so now you have to think about, is that a place where you feel you can be successful out of the gate because Arizona's, Got a, pre- got a pretty heavy turnover. They don't stick with their head coaches for very long. They turned a bunch of them over. Kyler Murray, uh, you know, has he hit the wall? Is there room for growth there? You're going to have to bring in an offensive mind now to sort of, you know, somebody who you trust to be able to take Murray uh, to the next level and and dig the Cardinals kind of out of the hole that they're in right now. So, so I mean, Brian, Brian Flores is a confident guy, and he might feel like, hey, uh, if I bring in the right people, I can turn this job around. But that doesn't strike me as a great job right now. So, I, you know, I don't disagree with you. If if he doesn't love the opportunities that are available, it wouldn't be the worst move in the world to stay in Pittsburgh. Okay, I'm going to ask you this question. We talked about Matt Canada a lot last week, and a lot of people were disappointed when he was going to come back as defensive coordinator, excuse me, as offensive coordinator. When you look at the defense, are there any coaches that you feel that would be in danger? Because right now it seems like they did a phenomenal job at the end of that season and that 
the biggest problem is the unknown that is personnel and the coaching staff on the defensive side is uh, pretty stable. Yeah, I mean, the Steelers gave up 17 points or more. Uh, I'm sorry, more than 17 points only one time after, over their last nine games. I mean, they they just kept the Steelers in some football games until the offense could do some things at the end to pull it out. And uh, and they didn't always do it. I mean, now, granted, they had everybody talks about how high-paid Pittsburgh's defensive roster is, and granted, it is. It's the highest-paid defense in the in the league, but so much of that money is is loaded in their stars, and and so they did it with a roster that had a lot of transition going. You know, they were they were limited at the at the inside linebacker position. They were limited in some degrees at corner, um, outside of Cam Hayward. They weren't great up front. I mean, Larry Ogunjobi, when he was healthy down the stretch, was excellent, but for much of the season. He was dinged up, and they didn't have a lot of depth there. So, so I thought that they did they did a great job working with the pieces that they had, compensating for the lack of production at inside linebacker. Miles Jack was pretty good. He had 104 tackles and led the team, and he gave the Steelers some sideline to sideline pursuit that they haven't had in a few years. But but Devin Bush was really limited. Uh, he just isn't you know he's just not the player he was before he before he got the got hurt the knee injury just kind of. I don't want to say ruined his career, but he just doesn't seem like he's going to be able to bounce back from that. And and then Roberts Blaine was a heck of a banger when he was on the field. And we know what he does well, but we also know that teams immediately try to, you know, match him up uh, in a, in a way that they can take advantage of in the passing game. And so to be able to sort of compensate without an elite linebacking core is, and, and then get that kind of production from your defense is pretty darn good. So so, yeah, I think the Steelers' defensive staff in general did an excellent job. Fantastic there. So what are these guys doing right now? Are they scouts? Because, you know, the Steelers are going to have a great presence at the Senior Bowl. And as you, you have assistant coaches there for the Steelers, you know they're looking at these guys. Is basically what they're doing right now just looking around at combines? Are they going with with uh are they going to all the combines uh defensive coaches we always hear about hey it's important when mike tomlin's showing up to the combine and when omar khan now will be showing up at the combine but is this basically what they're doing for the next two and a half months sure they're doing that uh and they're, they're I'm, I'm sure they're doing a lot of lobbying right now on the defensive side of the ball because demonte kazee terrell edmonds Cam Sutton and Larry Ogunjobi are all unrestricted free agents and Robert Spillane. There's five guys who played significant roles for the Steelers this year who could potentially depart. And they really have to make some decisions about which are the most integral guys that to stay, who can they, who can they uh, keep, who can they let go? Uh, Devin Bush is a sixth guy, but I think it's a, it's a, it's a foregone conclusion that Bush is going to, going to leave so those first five guys i mean they probably won't be able to bring them all back financially so who who goes you know i mean and you and you have these this process of evaluation whereby you look at all those guys and you look at what the steelers ran when all those guys were on the field and then you and then you scout the prospects that are are in coming up in college and you look at the available free agents and you try to make decisions 
on if if our guys have to leave, who can we replace them with? So I would imagine there's a lot of lobbying going on, you know, like, I, I mean, the one guy I'd be lobbying for if I were in, on the Steelers defensive staff, and I'm not saying he's the most important of those five, but the one guy that I'd really say, you know, hey, man, let's bring this guy back is DeMonte Kazee, because I think Kazee, as that true center fielder, gives the Steelers something they don't have on the roster, and he lets Minka Fitzpatrick do an awful lot of things that you he can't do when you ha- when he has to play uh, in that two deep or that single high role, you know. I mean, the Steelers got really creative with Fitzpatrick this year, and he and he turned in his best year as a pro, you know, first team All Pro. He was phenomenal this year, and a lot of that had to do with his ability to be used in a variety of roles because Kazee could man the back end, you know. So so they got to make some hard decisions. I mean. Uh, I don't know if there's a guy out there who who's who can match Kazee's production. He's going to be 29 years old, so he's getting a little bit older. But I definitely lobby for him returning. Well, I think Kevin Smith is lobbying for my job because that was my next question, and he just took me out of the equation. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> you know, I don't care. That's awesome. Um, so that brings up a, a really good follow up question that I did not have. So inspired by you bringing up Demonte KZ, is there? Do you think there's a Steeler plan to have the big three back at safety or because of the emergence of a guy like DeMonte KZ, do they let Terrell Edmonds walk? I think they can get Edmonds back. I think they can get both of them back. The question is going to be at, at what price? I think Edmonds, he's already alluded to the fact that he'd like to stick around in Pittsburgh. He, he kind of, I don't know if he was joking or being serious, but he mentioned you know they should make they should make my brother and I you know kind of like a dual offer and see if they can bring uh bring Tremaine Edmonds in from the Bills. I don't I, I think he'll probably be a little too high priced for the Steelers, but um yeah, but you don't make that joke if there's not some if there's not some truth to it. You know they talked about it. You know yeah. I mean come on if you had a brother and you wouldn't you talk about like yeah let's play together. Yeah, that's um, why I'm still shocked that JJ didn't walk through the door. I still don't know that JJ's not walking through the door. I always thought that was a scheme fit. You know, I just didn't think that the that that the Steelers scheme really uh suited his, you know his skill set. So so that might be what might be the issue there, but well we got to make uh, sure that he's talking about the right brother because we've already had Trey in town eight times. That's true. That's true. That's true. That would be that would be that would be pre- uh, pretty phenomenal if the Steelers had all three Edmonds brothers. Now I don't know, I don't think there's a role for Trey any, anymore, but yeah, I tell you what, there's a special teams role for Trey. There's always going well, to be. He, if Derek Walker, I mean, Derek Walker could leave. I mean, and that would open the door for that. Yeah, that that threesome dreams over. So let's yeah. go for the the other threesome. The other one, sure. We are talking about football, right? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Sorry. okay. <laughs> um, the thing I think that uh, that you can bring Kazee back, uh, and you can bring Edmonds back, but if you bring them both back, you you don't you don't get to re-sign Cam Sutton because Cam Sutton's going to get, he's going to get 10 million a year somewhere. And um, that's, that's going to be tough. You know, the Steelers are going to have to make some decisions about how high they want to go in bidding for him. Are they okay with the, you know, with having Wallace and Witherspoon as their corners and then maybe drafting a corner, you know, corners on the free agent market are really high priced. A lot of times you don't get your bang for your buck. So do they, do they let, Sutton walk and, and go draft somebody. You know, the other guy they have to think about is Ogan Joby. He was really good down the stretch. I'll just throw i throw a stat out for you. In the second half of the season, 
when Ogunjobi played at least 67% or two-thirds of the defensive snaps uh, in seven out of the Steelers' final nine games. And in those seven games, the Steelers went 7-0. and I don't think it was a coincidence. You know, when he was on the field and healthy after the bye week, they were pretty darn good up front because he and Cam Hayward were such a good combination. You had Hayward's power and strength and ability to just dominate the interior defensive line. And then you had Ogunjobi's quickness off the ball, which allowed him to be a penetrator. And you put those two things together and, and they were a pretty good duo in there. So, so he's another one to think about, you know, I, I don't know what, what his number is going to look like. I mean, he, he kind of had that three year, $40 million contract in Chicago that got voided when he failed the physical. And then he did the one year deal in Pittsburgh. You know, he's, he's only 27 years old. So, does he, you know, does he get big money somewhere else? Does he come back? I don't know, man. Well, here's yeah. my thing. You know, they were willing to give that big money to Stefan to it. So I wouldn't be surprised if they would be willing to give that money to uh, Larry Ogunjobi. Now, as for Cam Sutton, man, I'm going to be sad if he leaves because yeah. I'm a big fan of Cam Sutton. But Me if too. Larry O goes, I'm talking fetal position in a robe and then getting up just enough to eat cereal out of a salad bowl. That's uh, <laughs> uh you know, what, what, serving what kind bowl. of cereal? What kind of cereal are we talking about? Captain crunch with the uh, crunch berries and the marshmallows. Solid. That's a good choice. Oh yeah. Yeah. I just, I just, <laughs> I just introduced that to my daughter and now she's like hook, line and sinker. I'm like <laughs> grooming this girl for diabetes and I feel really bad because she's 13. That's yeah, a abuse had, right there. She has, she has her dad's sweet tooth. It's just heredity. Oh. Um, but you're right, man. If Ogan Joby leaves, we are we are gonna be unhappy because he's just been I'm not saying he's Stefan to it, but he was darn close. I really liked everything from him, and especially the fact that yeah, he was on that injury report every week at the end, but you didn't sweat it. You knew that when it came down to crunch time, Larry O was like, move out of the way. I'm coming. And I I really I'm a big fan of Larry O. Yeah. All is forgiven from no- November 14th, 2019. <laughs> Man, you know, where's Mason Rudolph going to end up? We'll, we'll, we'll address that question uh, when we get to the offense, but that'll be an interesting. And, and interesting, we will you know, do that next yeah. week. Yeah. So that that's a good place to stop. Well, <laughs> let's get out of here. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to do it again. Make sure you check out BTSC for all of your Pittsburgh Steeler needs. Remember, the Steelers aren't playing. We're not stopping. You're getting at least three original shows every single day. And it's all about what the Steelers are planning to do, what the Steelers are going to do, and what the Steelers are doing. So definitely check all that out. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. He is Kevin Smith. Thank you, man. That was fun. All right. Hope everybody out there has a, uh, has a great week and, uh, you know, bundle up and stay warm. Try and ride this winter out. All right. So, for Kevin, I'm Brian. Keep your feet on the ground. And keep reaching for the hypocycloids. Mm-hmm.